0: 60-W-V-O-X. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing basketball. We love
1: that basketball. Hello, everybody. Welcome to College Hoops Chat. WVOX. 1460 AM, my favorite radio station here in the great city of New Rochelle, New York. And uh, we're happy to have the College Hoops Chat Radio Show every Monday from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock right here at WVOX 1460 AM. And we have another great show for you tonight. We have as guests Pat Kennedy, former coach at Iona College and Florida State, and DePaul, and other colleges. Pat gives us a really interesting uh, and fun uh, perspective on what it's like to be a coach in college basketball. He's definitely one of the favorite guests on the show. So we're happy to have Pat uh, calling in in about seven minutes. And then at our halfway mark on the show, we have Josh Link calling in. He's from the Zagaholic. Talk about number one-ranked Gonzaga Bulldogs. Some people call them the Zags, but Gonzaga is great, and it's going to be a lot of fun to talk to Josh and hear all about the Gonzaga Bulldogs, because Gonzaga plays UCLA tomorrow night. Organize your schedule, folks, for the game tomorrow night, 10 p.m. Eastern time. It's Gonzaga versus UCLA. They are two of the best teams in the nation, and they played last year in the NCAA Final four in an epic game that was won uh, at a bomb shot at the buzzer by Jalen Suggs, who's now in the NBA. So uh, tomorrow night, folks, I would watch Gonzaga against UCLA. All right. Let's talk about some thoughts about week two. There's two teams I'd like to talk about before Coach Kennedy gives us a call. Number one, Purdue. Purdue is loaded. You heard it here, but you don't have to listen to me. All the top college basketball analysts are talking about just how good Purdue is. They're probably the best team in the Big Ten. This past weekend, they dominated the Hall of Fame tip-off up in Mohican Sun in Connecticut with two solid wins. Uh, And they beat Blue Blood teams. In the first round on Saturday, they beat North Carolina 93-84. to North Carolina was ranked number 18 in the nation. Then on Sunday, they beat Villanova, 80-74, to who was ranked number five in the nation. Purdue has depth. Purdue is well coached. Purdue has some star power players. Who are they? Jaden Ivey. If you watch Purdue play, you can't help but notice Jaden Ivey. Can't take your eyes off him. He's averaging 15.6 points a game so far. He's fast. He's exciting. He's the center of the offense. Uh, a really terrific guard. And is leading right now Purdue to its 5-0 record. Then, if you want to see a big guy, I call him the new Yaming. Zach Eddy. Zach Eddy. E-D-E-Y. Zach Eddy. seven foot four. He's huge. Dominant player. He's gotten a lot better from last year. He's ridiculous around the net. You get the ball to him; it's hard to stop him from scoring. He gets rebounds. He gets black shots. Zach Eddy, seven foot four. Jaden Ivey was the guard I mentioned already. Another guy to mention: six foot ten, Travion Williams, big, strong guy, uh, plays down low, kind of like a power forward, center, very athletic. Also, despite being big and strong. Travion Williams is a terrific basketball player. And lastly, Sasha Stevanovic, shooter. Sasha can hit shots from all over the court. Three-pointers. He's a terrific shooter. Well, you put these four guys together, you got an explosive basketball team. Keep your eye on Purdue. They have a great shot to be a Final Four team this year. All right. Now in my own little life, freshman year of college, when I went off to college, I went to St. Bonaventure. The Bonneys this weekend they played in the charleston classic they got three big wins the saint bonaventure bonnie's boise state clemson and marquette uh two of them power six conference teams and they won all three and they won the charleston classic they won the trophy they played great they start five seniors actually two of them i believe are 50 year seniors but they brought back All of their starters from last year on a team that went to the NCAA tournament, a team that won the Atlantic 10 regular season, that won the Atlantic 10 uh, tournament. It's a really veteran, smart, old team, older players. uh, That's terrific. And when you watch Kyle Lofton, the point guard, and you watch Jaron Holmes, uh, one of their wings, and you watch guys like uh, Attaway and Welch, You'll see just how smart and disciplined and intelligent the St. Bonaventure Bonnies are. And they won the Charleston Classic this weekend. Right now, they're AP number 16. Okay, the Associated Press ranked them number 16 in the nation. St. Bonaventure hasn't been that high since 1971 when the center was future NBAer Bob Lanier. And I also want to Mention Osin Asuni, who is their shot blocker, big guy down low, very athletic, big guy, a terrific player. So they start five big time players who are older and stronger and smarter. And they have another great shot to win the Atlantic 10 this year and to go to the NCAA tournament. Last year, they lost to LSU in the tournament. Hopefully they'll win a couple of games, maybe even go all the way to the final four this year. The St. Bonaventure Bonnies, I'll certainly be excited about that. And one other thing about the Charleston Classic this weekend, uh, where St. Bonaventure won the championship, the fans. St. Bonaventure has great fans. Might be a small school, but they got great fans. Well, the fans descended upon Charleston, South Carolina. They dominated the audience in every game when they were playing this past weekend. So if you were in the gym in Charleston, Uh, you would see that three-quarters of the fans were St. Bonaventure fans. They travel, this little small school in western New York. They travel, and they were the loudest fans at the Charleston Classic. When they played Clemson, Clemson's a South Carolina school. Wasn't too far a drive for the Clemson fans. And yet, when they played Clemson, 75% of the fans in the arena were rooting for the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. It's kind of a great story in college basketball. I'm very excited about St. Bonaventure, and I think that uh, that's a team to watch this year. All right, so uh, we should be having our call now with Pat Kennedy. And Pat really gives us some great information on every show. We really enjoy chatting with Pat about college basketball. Pat coached right down uh, the road here uh, at Iona College, uh, a terrific coach, and uh, uh, we always remember him well in this great city of New Rochelle, uh, and he even married a New Rochelle girl. How about that? All right, so we're waiting for Pat Kennedy. I told you to keep an eye on the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. I told you that Purdue is one of the best teams in the nation. Uh, they're 5-0. and 0. Uh, The Bonnies are 5-0. and 0. It's about 8-16 uh, right now, so uh, hopefully we'll get a buzz soon. Let's speak about Iona. On Friday night, Iona played Liberty. Liberty's a school in Virginia. It's a very strong team. Uh, I saw them play last year. As a matter of fact, they played against my son's school, South Carolina, a a big-time team out of the SEC Conference. And Iona uh, beat Liberty, who last year beat South Carolina. So Liberty's really good. They're uh, every year in the mix in their conference to go to the NCAA tournament. I wasn't sure Iona could beat them in this Friday night game, but they did. Uh, Iona beat them, and uh, it was a rugged, tough game. It was close all the way through. Uh, but Iona got it done. They uh, played some real smart basketball. They were gritty. They were tough. Their defense is getting better and better. The one thing you see with Iona, Rick Pitino is a a defensive guru. He loves to pressure the ball. He loves sometimes to do a full court press for the entire game. He's uh, a coach that's dedicated to defense wherever he was in his life, uh, Kentucky or Louisville, and now at Iona. And Iona's playing that kind of basketball now. They're playing really smart basketball. They are playing very rugged defense, looking for deflections and turnovers. And Iona got that win against Liberty. The following night, they played North Alabama. Again, they were supposed to win. North Alabama gave them a tough fight. In the first half, it was a close game. Then Iona won big in the second half. So uh, our local team, our Iona College Gales, are still unbeaten. They're 5-0, but their next game is not North Alabama. They're playing Alabama, okay? Alabama, Crimson Tide, uh, a top team in the nation, the team that knocked them out of the NCAA tournament last year. And now here's Iona going against them again with a great coach, Nate Oates. Uh, I know because he's the coach up at my uh, alma mater for law school, uh, University of Buffalo, and... Uh, Nate Oates has got Alabama playing some of the best basketball at that college in decades. Now, we know Alabama is a great football school, but now we have Alabama playing uh, great basketball as well. So Iona's playing them on Thanksgiving Day. It's going to be a tough game for the Iona College Gales, but you never know. Got to tune in. You got to watch. We're definitely going to try to structure our day around Thanksgiving uh, to fit in the Iona College Gales against the Alabama Crimson Tide. And we'll see uh, what happens. I think, um, I, you know, Iona's better this year than they were last year. So the team that Alabama beat in the NCAA tournament for Iona, Iona's better than they were this year's team. They're a little bit better. Not a lot of better, but a little bit better. Uh, more depth. I think they're used to Rick Pitino's system now. They will definitely give a tough game uh, to Alabama Thursday. I don't know if they could win, uh, but we will see. You got him. All right. So is he on right now? All right. Hey, Pat Kennedy, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How you doing today? It's Jim Massano on College Hoops Chat. Hey, Jim.
2: How are you doing, buddy? Great to be with
1: you. Great. You're live on the air. So, all right. Um, so let's jump into some college basketball. Number one, uh, were you able to check out the Iona Gales over the last weekend where they got that big win on Friday night against Liberty? And then they also played Saturday and beat North Alabama.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they've been playing very well. I think the great thing for the Gales right now is that uh, they have figured out how to win close games. So going all the way back to the Harvard win and all and their wins, uh, when you have a, the, the fresh start to a new season, uh, you have four or five point games. It's great that your kids figure out time, score, take care of the basketball, and make winning plays. So, They've done a great job with that, and the big kid Josephs is playing well. So I'm sure Rick is very, very happy where they're at right now.
1: Uh, true. So, so you were there as a coach on a, on a bunch of big-time teams. How do you get a team to learn how to win down the stretch in those final five minutes, to get the stops on defense, uh, to play smart offense, and get the ball to the open person with all the pressure on? What does a coach do to develop that, uh, develop that with a team?
2: But you have to do in practice, and you have to take a segment of your practice where you call time and score, and you've got to teach. You know, hey guys, you know. So you do time and score situations. We're up five. We have the ball. We can't lose it. We want to get fouled. We're down three. Uh, we don't have the ball. We got to defend. We got to guard. We got to get a stop and get it back. And then you got to put into your youngsters' heads on the offensive end. It's got to be a great shot. On the defensive end, we have to get a stop. So it's done in practice, uh, Jim, in a way that they – it's called time and score. And, of course, you know, Rick Rick is a, is a master at that. Um, and, and he's done it at the highest level of college and the highest level of the NBA. So, so he's always got all his time and score series in there. And that's what it is. It's a series of plays that you use. It's like out of bounds. X number of seconds to go in the game and you need a three-point shot, what play do you run? You have to teach your kids how to do that.
1: Interesting. So here's another question about preparing a team. So Saturday night against North Alabama, uh, Iona was favored by over 10 points in the game. Uh, And then you had a really close first half. As a coach, you probably spent a lot of time uh, talking to your guys before a game when they were a big favorite Trying to convince them anybody can lose any night. You got to, you know, keep your nose to the grindstone. You got to play hard. But that was probably hard, right? Sometimes teams do look ahead when they got an easy game. What was that like as a coach?
2: Well, first of all, you got to make sure your kids don't look at the spreads, and you got to make sure, as head coach, you don't even ever mention that because that's the side of college basketball that's not really good, right? Which is the side of gambling, yeah. So you just got to convince your kids, hey, if we play well, if we execute offensively and defensively, we should dominate this team. So that's be a word you would call dominate. Um, And if we do, we'll press them, we'll trap them, we'll get an advantage, and we'll go forward. Then you also, you know, play certain teams who are like, hey, guys, if we're going to win this game, we're going to have to get an advantage as the game progresses. So you may, you know, I know what Rick's philosophy was, mine is, I used to take in segments, like, you know, four, five-minute segments. So let's win the first four minutes. Let's win the second four minutes. Let's win the third. So, so there are different ways you approach it with your kids to try to convince them mentally, the time and mentally, as to what you got to do and how you, and certainly how you got to do it. But I only should not have been overly confident against the Northern Alabama because they wouldn't really know that much about them, right? Right. So right. now. Uh, so they, but they wouldn't be overly confident against St. John's or Seton Hall, and yet if they were playing Division II school like Pace or Malloy, yeah, they should have been overconfident with that. So right, just right. got to handle that mentally with your kids.
1: I remember a couple of years ago, Pat, uh, I was watching a North Carolina game. They were playing a lesser team in the ACC, and that's a team they 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 know well, as you mentioned. Uh, you know your teams in your conference, but I remember they started really slow. They were down by like eight points. You know. With- Four minutes in and I remember Roy Williams getting so mad he took all five starters off the court and put five new guys in just to kind of send a message to wake up did you ever have to do something like that
2: oh absolutely oh absolutely you do and uh even with individual players you may end up yanking your best players because they're not playing hard and you know you don't you don't embarrass them in front of a crowd but they know the fact that if they're not playing hard, and they're not playing well. They need to come out and pay the price for that. You know, the greatest teacher is the bench. <laughs> the bench, the bench is 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 the thing that really gets gets you guys going. But you, I've definitely had teams, and I know Rick has, where you just say, okay, that's enough. They're not executing. They're not playing hard. They're not playing as a unit. You get done with them. You take them out. You put a new group in. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of coaches do that.
1: You might have noticed, Pat, in the Appalachian State game, Iona College took out three starters early in the game because Rick felt his defense wasn't good enough. He took three guys off the bench. One of them was a walk-on who were his best defenders just to kind of get the game under control and not let Appalachian State take off on a big run because Iona's defense was shaky out of the gate. Uh, That was an interesting thing to see that in Rick's mind, it was more important – to, they weren't scoring too well, Iona, but in Rick's mind, it was more important to stop Appalachian State from scoring to keep the game close.
2: Yeah, and of course, that, that's a thing you probably do more at home than you might do on the road. But at home, there's a little little bit of margin of error. Right. If, 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 if you know if you can make stops and do certain things, uh, you know you can get that back on the offensive side as as obviously the game goes on. So, yeah. So I I think early on, Rick's made a lot of very positive moves. I think the kids are playing well. Um, they they have to have tremendous confidence just with the record alone, and then you take it into. I know where they have Alabama coming up soon. Alabama on
1: Thanksgiving.
2: Yeah, that's going to be a big challenge, and uh, and so you build towards that. If you ever upset Alabama, and you're undefeated, well, people will start looking at Iona nationally. So absolutely, uh, he's done a great job. Of- building themselves towards this Alabama
1: game. I agree. So quick question. So there was a big debate amongst college basketball media this weekend about Villanova. Now, Villanova's had two big games they lost. Uh, they played UCLA. Uh, they kept the game uh, closed for a while. Then they took a big lead with about nine minutes to go. They were up by about 10. And then they kind of collapsed down the stretch and UCLA won. Then this weekend, uh, Villanova, again, it was a terrific team. And Jay Wright's a terrific coach. Uh, same kind of thing. They were about a nine-point lead on Purdue, but down the stretch, the guy seemed a little gassed, um, and uh, Purdue made a big run and won the game. So Villanova's lost twice now um, because they only rotate six players. Did you ever have to think about that stuff about, should I place my six most reliable guys or should I expand the bench? That's a tough one, right, for a coach? Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, Jay knows his team better than anybody, but uh, he'll probably look at these two losses. And again, they lost to UCLA and Purdue. Come on, those are those are two potential Final Four teams. And Villanova is still a potential Final Four team. So you take a look at that. You might say, you know, we got to really work in practice to expand another player or two. So maybe our, our, uh, our rotation become seven or eight guys, uh, which, which is probably something they need to really take a look at. Uh, and yet, you know, they're going to still be a powerhouse in the Big East. And they will still be in the NCAA tournament. And they're still going to potentially be a Final Four team. So uh, Jay knows his team. He knows how to coach him. He'll use these things as all building blocks uh, for the future.
1: All right, Pat, thank you so much. That was a great answer. And maybe we'll get into that another time kind of. Uh, we're running out of time now with the commercial. We'll talk more about how you made those decisions, how you'd build a rotation. It is an interesting issue that fans don't know what goes on in the gym, as you said. So, Pat, thank you so much for the call. Thank you so much for all this great uh, uh, thoughts on college basketball. And we're going to get you back on in a couple more weeks. Uh, talk more college basketball.
2: Absolutely my pleasure, Boston. Go Gals.
1: Go Gals. Thanks, Pat Kennedy, former coach of the owner of College Gals. All right, folks. Uh, that's Pat Kennedy. Thank you. Uh, we're going to our commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk some Gonzaga Bulldogs uh, after the upcoming uh, commercial break. All right, I'm Jim Masano. There's the music. We'll be right back.
0: WVOX. They're playing basketball.
1: Jim Seno, and we are back on College Hoops Chat Radio Show here at WBOX 1460 AM. Thank you so much for tuning in and being part of our show today. And I'm looking forward to this next segment. We're going to talk about some Gonzaga basketball. So let me go to the phone line. I believe we have our guest who goes by the name of Zagaholic on Twitter. Hello, is this Josh? Yes, sir. This is Josh. Hey, Josh, What's your last name Linky or Link? It's Linky. Okay, Josh Linky from the ZagaHolic on Twitter. So it's funny, before I followed you and you followed me back on Twitter, I had seen your post because I I think you do one of the best jobs of covering Gonzaga. So I'm glad we connected, and I was happy to invite you on the show. So thank you for joining us. Are you out in the Spokane, Washington area? I'm from Washington originally, but I actually live in uh, Arizona at this time. Oh, wow, you're down in Arizona. So, uh, all right, so... um, uh so tell us uh tell us how you got involved with the with uh the gonzaga bulldogs yeah so thanks for having me on
3: by the way jim and, sure. uh i've been i've been a fan of Gonzaga since um the early nineties Uh, I guess you could say I'm a super fan. I mean, I started following uh, the Zags thanks to my grandfather who lives out in the Spokane area. And, um, you know, he kind of introduced me to the team and and brought me up on the Zags. And uh, he's like an old school uh, Kansas basketball guy. He grew up out in Kansas and Oklahoma area, and um, you know, kind of played the game a little bit like Bob Cousy back in the day. So um, you know, he's always had an affinity for for college basketball.
1: Well, that's great. Well, listen, all I could tell you is I'm jealous of you, Josh, because you get to be a Gonzaga fan, and your team is great. Not only were they the number one team almost the entire year last year, except losing to Baylor in the finals, but here you go again, where the number one team again. This is a great time to be a Zags fan.
3: Absolutely. I mean, it's it's been a 20-plus year run at this point of, you know, nonstop in play tournaments. And, you know, we get knocked on because of our conference a little bit. But at the end of the day, um, you know, every year in the non-conference, we play lots of great teams. And, um, you know, we always go relatively deep in the
1: tournament. You do. And I've always been interest, impressed with Gonzaga and impressed with Gonzaga. Uh, Coach Mark Few, who I think is one of the great minds in the sport of college basketball. So it's kind of all rolling for Gonzaga right now. It's kind of amazing how they went from this kind of, you know, medium sized Catholic school in Western Washington to become on the level of the Kentuckys and the North Carolinas and the Dukes. I mean, it's kind of been an incredible rise in the history of college sports.
3: Yeah, I, I think. I think uh, Jay, Jay Billis calls it like the the greatest story in, in you know, college sports history. I, I don't know if, if that's the case. I and mean, there's lots of great college programs out there. But, you know, ultimately, what we've seen accomplished by Mark Few and before him, Dan Monson and, and Dan Fitzgerald at Gonzaga is just a program building, you know, from the days of John Stockton in the early 80s up through Adam Morrison, the mid-2000s. And, you know, now we've got... Drew Timmy, who's the favorite for National Player of the Year and the number one recruit in the nation, which is not something you could have said about Gonzaga five, ten years ago. We, we, were, we were getting the guys that nobody else really knew about or maybe they didn't want them at first, but we were able to develop them.
1: Okay, so let's talk about the great Gonzaga Bulldogs. Uh, in 2020, they finished 31-2 and two and I think had a real shot to win the national championship. Uh, But we didn't have a season that year. Uh, Well, we had a season. We didn't have a tournament that year. And then in 2021, they went 31 to one, only losing the very last game of the year to Baylor. So uh, they've only lost three games in the past two years. So far, uh, you're off to a great start. Drew Timmy against Texas was one of the most dominant performances I've seen in college basketball like over the last decade.
3: Yeah, absolutely. He had uh, 37 points, and you know, I, th- I think I think I read a stat that said that Chris Beard had never had more than uh, 10 field goals uh, by a post player scored scored against him, and he had 15. So, you know, it was it was an interesting game plan. If you watched it, you know, we we Chris Beard is known for that that no middle defense, and we basically attacked middle every single time down the court got Timmy in deep into the post and then by the time that they were able to send a double his way you know he was already halfway to the basket and and had the momentum in his favor so um you know I think Drew Timmy is probably there's not there's not many uh low post scores in the history of college basketball who have the footwork that he has some, some com- compared to maybe the you know Kevin McHale or you know something like that
1: but he's great he's a tremendous uh, you know, he's, player he's Probably going to be the National Player of the Year. Uh, it's a joy to watch Drew Timmy. He's such a student of the game. But let's go to – everybody knows Timmy, so let's talk about some other guys. Andrew Nebhard, uh, senior, six five. He's kind of the guard leader on the team. I thought he played a nice game uh, against Texas. That's the game I watched this year. He's a pretty solid leader on the floor, right?
3: Yeah. Uh, Nebhard is – Mark Hughes called him the best pick-and-roll Uh, ball screen guard he's ever had, which is pretty high praise considering, you know, guys like Dan Dickow and and, uh, Blake Stepp and some of the, you know, great guards who have come up at Gonzaga over the years. But um, Nemhard, he he just has this way about him where he's patient. He plays a pace. He's able to uh, find, you know, open holes or angles around the defenders, find the cutter in the traffic, and he can create, um, you know, something out of nothing in a lot of instances.
1: He's good. He's a good, solid player. They got him from Florida on a transfer. So watching that game, you know, I was familiar with last year's team, uh, Kispert and those guys that went to the NBA. Uh, But the two guys in the Texas game that kind of stood out to me as players that are going to make an impact this year, have a bigger role than last year, and I thought they played nicely in that game was Julian Strother and Anton Watson. Tell me about them.
3: So Julian Strother is a second-year player out of Las Vegas. Um, he kind of came up with uh, Dominic Harris and Jalen Suggs from last year, uh, and they call them the tricky trio, so to speak. Um, Julian is a, a microwave scorer. He will go out there and hit bucket after bucket. And, um, you know, if you need a basket in a tough situation, that's, that's the guy you're probably looking for. In the case of Anton Watson, uh, he's a Spokane native. He's uh, one of the highest rated recruits to come out of Spokane um, in you know history. And um, he is an excellent defender. He creates chaos in the wings. He's always looking to, to get his hand on the ball, get you know get into traffic. But he's also very athletic. And this year, um, one thing I've noticed about him is he's kind of trimmed down, gotten a little bit more fit and uh, he seems like he's just more bouncy, more you know more athletic than, than normal.
1: Okay, so the one guy that didn't stand out, although he'll probably be great in the course of the year, it's going to take some time, the number one recruit in the nation, the number one freshman, Chet Holmgren. Um, That game, he was just okay. You know, he did what, you know, he blocked some shots. He was a presence, but didn't have a big game. What's going on uh, in his progress? So,
3: Chet? Chet may not have had the, the statistical game of some of the other guys on the court, but if you if you watch some of the nuances of how the Texas uh, players came into the inside, he terrified them. They, they they could not create enough space or find an angle to get to the basket, and a lot of times the shot clock would wind down, they'd panic and kick it back out. But, you know, overall, the first game of his career, the first, you know, uh, game of the season, he, had, he, he tied the record for Gonzaga blocks with seven. Okay. Uh, you know, he, he had another great game the other night. I think he had like 18 points, five assists, five rebounds, a couple of blocks, a couple of steals. So he fills up the stat sheet. He can play one through five. He's um, just as good bringing the ball down the court as he is being a, a rim protector on defense.
1: All right. So uh, I I wanted to get in Hunter Salas and Noel, Nolan Hickman and Racer of Bolton, but we're running out of time. So uh, we'll, we'll see how this whole team comes together. Just one quick question. Uh, it looks to me from I looked at box scores that Mark Few, not always a big a fan of playing freshman, is playing his three big time freshmen recruits. This year. Is that accurate? Yeah, um, I,
3: I think that Hunter Salas and Chet, Chet Holmgren is for sure starting. And then Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman are getting decent minutes off the bench. Hunter didn't get as many against Texas, but, um, you know, it was kind of like a situational type thing. He didn't fit the game plan. Um, But the other night, he had an excellent game, and I really think that he's going to play a big role as the season progresses.
1: All right, so let's jump to your conference, okay? The WCC, you got BYU, and you got San Francisco and St. Mary's and Santa Clara's, and pretty good teams. We'll see if they can give Gonzaga a game. Anything you hear about Gonzaga potentially moving to another conference, what's the gossip about that?
3: Yeah, I mean, the the gossip kind of is that the big – the, the Big East wants Gonzaga. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a secret, uh, an open-ended secret at this point. Uh, the, the problem with that is, while they fit the the structure of the league, their basketball first. While they have the finances to do it, we charter all of our flights. You know, all those types of things. Um, geographically speaking, I mean, you're almost three thousand miles from the closest school, which is Creighton out in Nebraska. So. You know that's that's kind of a, a sticking point. You know, in the question <laughs> kind of is, a roadblock, is, right? <laughs> yeah. Would Would Gonzaga be able to to move the rest of their sports too? I don't know. I don't know how how that would work.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. i right, running out of time. So I want to get one more chat in here with you tomorrow night. I'm all pumped up. I've got it all scheduled on my calendar. UCLA Gonzaga, 10 p.m. tomorrow night in Las Vegas. Quickly, tell me what you think about that game.
3: Well, it's a rematch of the Final Four. Uh, Obviously, Gonzaga won last year and got to the national title game. But, um, you know, UCLA brings back a lot of talent. Gonzaga brings back a lot of talent and and new talent. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty evenly matched game. But I look for the fact that that Gonzaga is playing at a defensive pace that they haven't been in the past. And I think that they can help shut down some of the uh, prolific scoring of Juzang and some of the other players there. So I think Gonzaga has the edge. Obviously, I'm a little biased. (laughs)
1: But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do, too. I Actually, I, I think Gonzaga's going to win that game, but I think it could be a terrific game, a game that goes down uh, to the final two minutes. I'm really looking forward to the game. But you've got two other big games coming up. Uh, on the 26th of November, you got Duke, and then on December 4th, you got Alabama. So you've got three big-time tests coming up for Gonzaga uh, in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be exciting to see if they can win all three games.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, Duke, Duke poses a big challenge and so does Alabama. But, you know, that's what college basketball is about, especially in the non-conference for us. We, we take on any opponent anywhere, anytime. And, you know, we, we try to get out there with the victory.
1: All right. So as I told you, I joked with you on Twitter. Um, when I grew up someday, I want to be a Gonzaga fan because it seems like it's really fun to do. So I thank you so much for coming on the show. And I hope you'll consider coming back on another time and tell us all about Gonzaga basketball. Yeah. All right, Josh. Thank you so much. Thank you, Josh. That's our, our music in the background. We're going to commercial break. We'll be right back. Thank you.
3: News. Here is the latest update from Fox News Radio on fourteen sixty.
2: Roger Stern. The jury has to wait until tomorrow to consider murder charges against three white Georgia men who chased and shot a black jogger, Ahmad Arbery. Their lawyer says they shot in self-defense after chasing him because they thought he committed a burglary. But in today's closing arguments, prosecutor Linda Dunakowski says that's ridiculous.
0: If you are the initial unjustified aggressor, you don't get claimed self-defense.
2: Now that COVID booster shots have been okayed for folks 18 and over, the Biden administration is pushing for people to get them. White House senior medical advisor, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Not only do boosters work, they work even better than the peak dose, the peak response after the second dose. The boosters are for people a certain number of months after their original vaccines. America is listening to Fox News.
4: Connect the Fox News Audio on the Fox News app. Listen to hear your favorite hosts like Brian Kilmeade, Jimmy Fallon, and Guy Benson standing up for what's right live and via podcast. Just click listen, then swipe right and hear the latest news updates on your time. And scroll down to hear the latest podcasts from Fox News. And it's even easier to listen in the car with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Get programming alerts and notifications. Fox News Audio is on the Fox News app. The Voices America trusts. Download it now. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech,
3: publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. You can subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. This new show will feature deep dive interviews with newsmakers and some of your favorite Fox News analysts. I hope
4: you'll join me. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com.
0: There are quite a number of neighborhood flower shops around Westchester County these days. As in all things, some are better than others. And in the Colonial Village Shopping Center on Weaver Street in Scarsdale, just to the north of New Rochelle, there exists a florist of very great style and renown. Colonial Village Flowers specializes in beautiful seasonal flowers arranged in good taste with the lovely low-key result that all Colonial Village presentations, bouquets, and arrangements look like they were actually grown, collected, and gathered in the natural setting of your own garden. Good Taste in Flowers has for years been a special trademark of Joe Ward and his talented floral arrangers at Colonial Village. Featuring the natural look, without pomp or ceremony. So please, know that there is at least one flower shop on your classy wavelength. Joe Ward's Colonial Village Flowers at 1515 Weaver Street in Scarsdale. Call 723-2888. That's 723 a 2 and 3 eighths.
3: Everything you need to get started in the morning. Every morning. Good morning, Westchester, with Dennis and Tommy. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9, right here on
0: 1460 WVOX. 1460 WVOX. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball.
1: i'm jim masono this is the college hoops chat radio show we're back for our final segment of the show thank you so much for tuning in really great guests thank you to pat kennedy uh, and josh link uh great job and uh, really interesting to talk about uh coaching strategies from pat kennedy and the gonzaga bulldogs so uh, it was a, a a good beginning of the show now we have our number one caller calls every show kenny from rye are you there James, how we doing? How we doing tonight? So, what you think of our guest tonight? Got a lot of good info, huh?
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's always here. Good to hear Coach Kennedy's perspective on uh, you know Iowa and particularly on the coaching strategies, and, and particularly in this time of year, which is not conference play. So, you know, you get a wide variation of of, of um, you know schools that you're playing. As you mentioned, you're playing North Alabama one night, and then you're playing Alabama, you know, four or five days later. So it's a little bit different in the level of competition
1: it is an odd time of year and that's why i do think it's hard for teams uh, for coaches sometimes to get their teams pumped up when they're playing a lesser opponent mm-hmm. um and pat was saying like you never mentioned the point spread i get that but these kids all go online they take i'm sure the players go on, online and take a look at who they're playing so they kind of know when they when they've got a, a weaker opponent so uh i think it's really a kind of strategic for a coach to figure out to get how to get the team to play uh, against a lesser opponent
4: yeah, and and as you and you brought up a good point, and not to look ahead. They know exactly who they're playing uh, in you know in a week's time, and obviously they're looking at a jersey that says half of who they're going to be playing in Alabama. So it's difficult to get it out of the mind and do the fact is that as you said, there's so much information out there. They know exactly who North Alabama is. They know you know the strength, the weaknesses, et cetera, and so it's it, it is uh, it difficult. And but I, I will say. Uh, typical routine. They kind of, you know, hung around in the first half, and then Iona you know, was clearly dominant in the second half. I watched
1: that. It's true. So, um, let me ask you a question. Um, you've been a Big East fan for your whole life. You've been following this conference since it was formed. And there was an interesting debate this weekend uh, about Villanova. Now, we have friends that went to Villanova. We've both watched a lot of Villanova basketball games. Um, and a lot of the national media was talking about how for two games in a row... Um, Villanova was leading with about nine minutes to go. For instance, at UCLA, they were leading uh, by 10 with 9.20 to go. Against Purdue on, on Sunday, they were leading by 11 with nine minutes and 30 seconds to go. And in both games, they collapsed in the final 10 minutes. Uh, and the, the debate was... Jay Wright plays a very tight rotation. He really doesn't like to play freshman. He doesn't really like to go to the bench that much. For the most part, in those two games I just described, the two games they lost, UCLA and Purdue, they only played six guys. And their team seemed gassed down the stretch. Um, So it's interesting to see. Jay Wright's a genius. He's one of the best coaches right now in college basketball. He's an all-time Hall of Fame coach. And yet... This oddity of him never really wanting to play the bench even early in the season is kind of interesting.
4: Well, I think in particular in those two games, he, he's going to find out what he's got with regards to his go-to players. And I would say those are early basketball legs, right? So he's going he's to play the guys that he knows are going to be there at the end of the year. He's obviously playing to win against those two teams. But at the same time, those aren't bad losses, let's be honest here. I mean, UCLA is probably deeper than Villanova. Um, so that's one thing. And Purdue, as you and I have spoken about a few times, you know, John Rothstein loves this team. He went out to the campus, visited them, and he's like, it's final four or bust for them. So again, another deep team. So, you know, Villanova's going to be there. The question is, how does he develop the rest of the team to handle an entire season? But uh, as you say, it's difficult to criticize him in what he's done. So we'll have to wait halfway through the Big East season and see if that's still the case.
1: I agree. The, you know, listen, Brian Antoine's out. I think he would have been the seventh guy in the rotation. He's hurt right now. But it is odd to watch in two big games, the whole country was kind of watching, and his team looked gassed at the end, and he's sitting there with a bench with a bunch of four-star players that I'm sure are very good even in practice. But for some reason, he doesn't feel yet that he can use them. It's Because a, a lot of other teams... Don't function that way. But Jay Wright's a great coach, and Villanova is going to be in the NCAA tournament, and they're going to be a threat to go to the Final Four. So we'll see how it all plays out.
4: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a method to the madness, as they say. Everybody has a different philosophy. And I, I would say that he, he's got a, a, a real reason to do that For a perspective of knowing that, let's see what I have, let's see who I have it with, and then, as you said, let's see how the legs I, I hold up early on.
1: So we'll have to be texting tomorrow night, Kenny, from Rye. Uh, For this game, uh, Gonzaga and UCLA, because it could be an incredible game.
4: Yeah, I mean, that was a great guess you got. Let's be honest here. We don't get great commentary about Gonzaga here. We hear it in the press here and there. Now, obviously, a little different with the Internet these days. But let's be honest. Again, we don't see that team play much, particularly once January comes because they play league play. So, you know, I didn't see them probably, you know, in the final four besides highlights last year after January 1st. So it's great to hear His perspective, which was incredible from a perspective of the the players he knows, where they come from, where where they're expected to be through that year. Uh, I'm excited to see them. As you say, they look like poetry in motion the other night.
1: They do. So tomorrow night they got UCLA, 10 p.m. On the 26th, November 26th, they got Duke at 10.30 p.m. So these are late games, folks, for us on the (laughs) Northeast, but I'm a night owl, so it's perfect for me. And then on December 4th, (laughs) They got Alabama at 8 p.m. A little more reasonable, 8 p.m. Eastern time. So, really great chance to kind of see Gonzaga in action tomorrow. UCLA, November 26th, Duke, and December 4th, Alabama. I'm looking forward to all three games.
4: Yeah, I mean exactly. This this is his mo. And as you were talking about possibly Gonzaga joining another conference, just from where they are logistically, I think it's basically impossible unless the league implodes and then you know they decide to go somewhere else. But as your guest mentioned, there's other sports to take into consideration. So, you know, this model that he's doing right now from a perspective of playing these big games, you know, early and on TV to get some, you know, get some exposure and then move to the conference where he, you know, he may lose one or two throughout the year. But let's be honest, that's probably unlikely again. So, you know, he cruises into the uh, tournament with some confidence, that he's played teams outside the West Coast Conference. They've seen some of the best teams. As you mentioned, He's going to see Duke. He's going to see Alabama. So, again, it's not going to be a shock come March. So I think it's, it's a great formula, and it's obviously working for him, and one, as we know from our local coach here, uh, aspires to
1: be. I agree. So the one team that will be fun to watch play Gonzaga in the regular season because what I'm seeing uh, is that they're excellent is the BYU Cougars. I don't know if you followed them, but they opened up with a win against Cleveland State. Cleveland State's okay, but then they beat two big time teams in a row. San Diego State 66-60 and then they blew number 12 Oregon off the court 81-49. So, uh maybe BYU can give Gonzaga a game, particularly when BYU is home.
4: Yeah, exactly. I did see the highlights of the Oregon game and from a perspective of what BYU is and as you as we all know, they kind of float in and out year, you know, every other year with a, with a pretty strong team, so they're not one to uh to pass up on and you know they obviously took it to san diego state which was a favorite of you and i and i last year and obviously is expected to be a decent team again this year so that will be one i think saint mary's will be also be another game for them this year depending on you know how it plays out but you know they get a couple of games that that are close for them
1: all right so we got a couple minutes left tell us about your providence friars how they doing
4: well, it's been a good start, I think, overall. I mean, We we, we saw last week, you and I, uh, the, the Big East did pretty well against the Big Ten in, the, in that matchup, and the two bet probably the two highest-ranked teams didn't play out of the Big East. So it was a good week for overall. Uh, I think PC has done a nice job uh, from a perspective of coming out unbeaten, and they've beaten the teams they're supposed to be. I think Wisconsin was a good game because it was, it was at Wisconsin, which has an enormous home-court advantage. And I think... What we're seeing here is these the two fifth years that I own, excuse me, that Providence has, uh, Durham from Indiana and Manaya from USC are proving to be an enormous, enormous help for them this year. It's stabilizing the backcourt, bringing maturity to the team, and, and and really, really solid defense, which Cooley stresses. And I think it's raised everybody's game level dramatically. And I think it, you know it's what was missing last year. So I think they're in a good, good situation going forward, and I think they're going to surprise a few people. Uh, again, like, like many other years and like a lot of other teams, we'll have to see how they shoot from the outside and particularly the threes.
1: Well, you got Northwestern tonight, right, 9.30 p.m.?
4: We do with Northwestern out as the Prudential Center, which is, I guess, part of a tournament. It is on the late side, uh, so it's obviously the last game of the evening. Um, but, yeah, it should be a decent game. Northwestern is, is expected to be much better than they were last year. They had a decent recruiting class. So we'll see how it plays out. But it should be a good game. I think it's on ESPN Plus, if I'm correct.
1: Right, it is. So, um, all right, so you got that. And then uh, tomorrow they'll play either Georgia or Virginia, right?
4: Yes, Uh, on the follow-up of the tournament itself. Yeah, so we we don't know who it is. But it'll be one or the other. And that's obviously a good back-to-back. Virginia's struggling a little bit this year. Uh, Georgia, I think, is a decent team. So, you know, it's it's a great tournament for for PC, you know, in this Thanksgiving weekend.
1: All right. And you got one other big challenge coming up on December 1st. You play Texas Tech. They're a good team.
4: Mm -hmm, Exactly. And uh, Ed's uh, Ed's done a very good job of putting an out-of-conference schedule together. I think he was much more confident than many others were on the team this year. Obviously, banking on his two fifth years and and expecting to see, you know, dramatic improvement from a couple people that kind of lagged last year. And particularly as you and you and I have mentioned, and others have mentioned, some people just didn't get in the swing of it with you know basically no off season and you know jump right into the season after a handful of practices. And I think we're seeing much better results from the people uh, that we expected to play better last year uh, that are playing well this year so far.
1: All right, so um, the music's going to come on soon. I do want to mention to you that St. Bonaventure rocks, don't they, Kenny from Run?
4: No doubt, of doubt it. It looks like Atlantic 10, the question is, will they go unbeaten in the Atlantic 10?
1: Well, no, I always think a team is going to lose at least one game in the conference. You're going to have an off night. It's a long season.
4: It is, it is. And the long travels for them, too, as well.
1: All right, Kenny from Wright, thank you so much for the call. I'll talk to you tonight, uh, tomorrow night here in UCLA, Gonzaga. We'll chat. All right, Charlie, buddy. Thanks, Ken. Thanks. All right. That's Kenny from my All right, folks, thank you for tuning in to College Hoops Chat. Great show. A lot of good information for you. Uh, we'll be back next Monday night to talk about college basketball again. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being part of the show. See you next time.
3: America's
2: quintessential community station. 1460 WVOX. New Rochelle.